Hello boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Broski Doodles podcast. As always, your host Kiko Flo, Kiko Cervantes, en la casa, in the middle. Chilling with you today to make your day a bit better, a bit more filled with laughter, or maybe just comforting feeling that you're smarter than the guy you're looking at at this moment. Let's start off with the really needy stuff. Steve Wozniak, you know, the true creator of Apple, came out recently saying that we need to get off Facebook right away. Right away. Right away. He's worried about the amount of privacy that we're giving to Facebook and other platforms. He's specifically worried about Facebook, which is the same people that own Instagram. So uh, they pretty much own a big chunk of it all. On the other side, you have Google with YouTube and then TikTok with the Chinese, right? But he's worried about Facebook because of the amount of data that they're able to take from us that is based on our privacy, right? They're able to know so many things about us, even where we go, so that they could sell advertisement very accurately. On one side of the coin, it does seem like it's more efficient if you as a business can sell your product to a specific group of people, not just women or not just men under 30, but men under 30 that like to play this specific game that uses a specific controller and I can sell it to them. So as a seller and as a consumer, it becomes interesting. It really does. But I guess Wozniak's argument here is like, okay, let's get to the point where we're giving value to who deserves it and it's fair for everybody. So he says he won't use Facebook until he's able to pay Facebook to use Facebook and they not take his his uh, information, right? So keep in mind that all these platforms work because we agree to give them our data. There's a famous quote I think they even used it on the Social Dilemma Netflix uh, documentary that they had. But it's like, if the product that you're using is free, then you are the product. And that's the case with social media, right? We can use it for free, <clears throat> but that means that the company knows all of our moves. They know all of our interests. So they know how to sell us things more accurately and more effective. And Wozniak pretty much just wants to like make people aware that this is an issue and that he eventually wants to be able to pay companies to use their services such as Facebook because Facebook, you know, is it adds value to people's life, uh, you know, in the way that they interact with people. But maybe let's say you want to use Facebook, but you don't want them to have your data. You can pay like $10 a month, maybe. I don't know how it would be. But for example, you pay $10 a month and then you don't have to well, on one, on one end see any ads, but also they won't sell your information to, to other companies, right? So I also started thinking, would there really be enough people wanting to pay to have Facebook uh, as a paid service and rather than just give away their you know, their, their, their privacy. I don't know, you know, like with how 
the new generation is where they don't really value privacy as the older generations do it is a bit of a of a topic to discuss but you know i, f- I found it to be interesting there was another great uh, important news that happened and is that the the Maghrib is coming back you know and and well, at this time if you're watching this the Maghrib is back uh, in in McDonald's in the US and you know I have here an article which uh, talks about the the many economic conspiracy theories about the comeback of the of the Maghrib you know and I see here they, they you know that the first time that the Maghrib came back uh, was on 2012 right um, so it's been eight years since the since they have been in the menu and if you're a fan of of this it's like a McNugget but made with pork instead you might be wondering you know why are they coming back so there's different theories as to why it is that the that the McRib is making a comeback at this moment one of the reasons that they say this could happen is that the the there is a time in the year when pork is cheaper um and and then this also happens when you look at it through a longer period of time there's always a section in time where pork has been cheaper and coincidentally whenever mcdonald's brings the Maghrib back is usually when there is this you know this uh lower price available uh but yeah i mean i don't know if that's one of the ones. Another theory is that it is a loss leader. And, w- and what that means is whenever there's a, a product that costs businesses more to make than customers pay for it. So you're pretty much making a product at a loss, right? So if it costs you $3.50 to make, you sell it for $3.40, you're losing $0.10 cents on it, you're not making any money. You might wonder, well, why is it even logical to sell this well the reason there is a reason behind this and that reason is that um, for certain items the companies choose to take this loss in hopes that they will lure customers to buy profitable products that re-up the loss right and recoup that that loss Uh, so for example like an example of this would be like cheap printers that require expensive cartridges of link you know so, you know, the McRib could be nothing more than a barbecue-based marketing tactic to get customers through the Golden Arch. So, you know, that's that's a, a reason for it, too. I don't know if it's the case is that the McRib, if it was sold at the price that it could make them money, then people wouldn't really buy it. So, and this is where the third conspiracy comes. And, and it's that the McRib isn't popular enough to be a full-time member of the menu. So like even though when the McRib comes out, everybody goes crazy over it. They say that the first few weeks they sell like 200 every day, but then towards the end they sell less than 50 per day. And then it just becomes an item that is not really uh, rotate. It doesn't rotate well, you know, so so that could be. But the fact of the matter is that the McRib is back at this moment. And if you're a fan of this, uh, mystery meat um, ensemble I recommend you go try it right away because I don't think it's gonna be lasting too long but hey 
you know, who the fuck knows. Another news for all those people that used to play GoldenEye on Nintendo 64, this is going to be a nostalgic uh, experience. There is a telescope, it's called the Arecibo Telescope, which I would assume it has to do with the location it's in, or maybe another reason, but it's called the Arecibo Telescope. This telescope is in Puerto Rico. So for people that don't know, if there was a there was a video game called GoldenEye, which you know is 007 theme video game, which was a, a massive hit when the Nintendo 64 you know was around in the 90s, and there was this game GoldenEye that had a mission. If I'm not mistaken, maybe the final mission was in this telescope, and so it brings you know nostalgic moments to, to and feelings to many people. But one curious thing is that on the on the game, I believe they say that the telescope was in Cuba, but that's not the case. It's in Puerto Rico. Even though all Latinos, I know we all look the same, there are some differences, you know? It's not all just rice and beans, okay? Okay, don't, you know, be a, be a little bit sensitive to how we could be offended and feel uh, like we're less than if you, you know, see us all with the same lens. But uh, yeah, pretty much, you know, here I'm showing some aerial views of how it looks now. So there were some cables that ran through these three posts and they used this massive plate at the bottom to bounce signals and get, you know, images. Here I, you can see there's a picture of how it looks the day after it, it sort of collapsed and a day before where it was still holding. Uh, I don't know the reasons as to why this was led you know, to go to shit so badly. Because obviously the lack of maintenance means that there was a lack of funding for the program in general. So, you know, I don't know what, you know, what it was. But uh, it says here that this collapse was not unexpected. Following two cable breaks in August and November, experts determined that the radio telescope was so structurally on sound that it had to be decommissioned. On November 19, the National Science Foundation, which owned the telescope, tasked engineers with deconstructing it. That was supposed to take five. That was supposed to take about five or six weeks, but the iconic telescope couldn't last that long. Wow. So yeah, I mean, there's probably some mismanagement there. If you want to, you can check the video. Go online and just check Arecibo telescope. Uh, you know breakdown or something write something like that reason why I'm not showing it here is because anything I show YouTube sort of doesn't necessarily demonetize it because I'm not monetized but it copyright links it doesn't it doesn't make a claim but it sort of lets you know that like oh the shit that you're using here is copyrighted by someone so you know fuck it I just don't want to be linked to no other motherfuckers you know in theory you should be able to talk about things and give your opinion and criticism towards it and not have this issue about fucking, you know, copyrights or whatever. But yeah, but I hope that with images is not an issue. Here you can see how it looked in 2012, which already looked pretty, pretty fucked. So it looked like this shit just had been led, you know, to rot, which is pretty sad because, you know, like I said, I grew up playing this video game and it seemed like, you know, this could be like a cool thing, you know. Uh, some some people, uh, the director of the planetary habitability 
Habitability Laboratory at the University of Puerto Rico. He says that when he learned of the news, he was totally devastated. Uh, he was he had been going to the observatory since he was ten years old, and you know he and he worked with it uh, for the past decade. So, you know, I would assume that this had to do with with the loss of of funding. You know, uh, I think it's it's crazy how we're able to create these things that you know can see to space. And I do know that they're building one at the moment in in China or if they, if they haven't already built it, which is gonna be really, really like in depth as to how far it can go into the into the space. So I think that this is great news for, for all of us. Uh, and yeah. And yeah. Another news I wanted to speak about uh, mac and cheese. I think mac and cheese is an amazing invention and it's such a simple thing, you know, when you think of mac and cheese, but it has so much complexity and depth that I really want, you know, I really wanted to touch on this subject with a serious note, you know. I, I think we always joke around in this podcast. We're always talking about funny shit. We're always, you know, just trolling things like, you know, just nothing really productive to society or ourselves, you know. If anything, we're just becoming dumber every episode. But I wanted to talk about something serious. And notice that I'm being serious because I'm having a little bit of, of Spanish wine. So notice the seriousness in me. Serious. Mac and cheese, bro. What a culinary Pandora's box, right? I mean, not every mac and cheese is the same, right? It ain't. It's special. It has to be creamy enough so that it coats the pasta shells ever so, ever so splendidly but no so creamy that it takes over the texture of the whole dish, right? There's like this perfect balance between the gooiness of the concoction, but also the sturdiness of the pasta as it enters your esophagus. There's this, <laughs> there's this aroma that comes from the cheddar, the gouda, and the different mixes of cheese. And notice the accent when I say the cheese is to add a little bit of emphasis into what the fuck I'm saying. Right? I'm talking about the, the mixture between the cultures. Well, not really. Just American. American trailer trash. But. <sighs> mac and cheese. Mac and cheese. And I gotta say. I'm not being paid for this. But if. If you're hearing this and you want to pay for it, 
you know, we can talk. We can talk. My numbers aren't aren't too high at this stage. But I do gotta admit who's the king at this moment. And when it comes to commercial mac and cheese, it's been years that I've searched for something better and I cannot find anything better than Velveeta. And I'm actually starting to use, whenever I want to talk about something being fire, about something being fucking good, about something being impressive, about something being great, I'm going to start saying Velveeta, you know? Like, yo, how was that movie, bro? That shit was Velveeta. You know what I mean? That shit was fire. Fucking Tom Cruise in space. That shit was fire. Right, Velveeta. And I'm not hating on Kraft Mac and Cheese, but that powder shit, mm, that powder shit. You know, when I was growing up and kids were doing drugs, I was I was never about that powder shit. You feel me? I was never about that powder. But that Velveeta, again, not knocking on Kraft Mac and Cheese. That box is classic. But that's more like well, if you ain't got that Velveeta money, I could do some craft, you know? If you put enough love to it, add the right amount of milk, and have your own little secrets, craft mac and cheese can be fucking amazing. You gotta eat it right then. It won't last too long. Once it hardens, but you could eat it at the moment. I ain't hating. It's cheaper. You can get a box of 48 for the Lolo. I get that. But if you are a moment in your life where you're growing and you feel like you deserve more, like, fuck, I should invest a bit more in me, right? In player number one, Velveeta. And I want to clarify, I'm not being paid for this. I should. But it's that fire. I myself been trying to make homemade mac and cheese for a minute. Failing every time. My aunt. I remember in Thanksgiving. She always, she still does. She still does. Makes the firest mac and cheese, right? I mean, my aunt. Thanksgiving mac and cheese. Grabs Velveeta mac and cheese. Puts it in all fours and double penetrates it with that double stuffed, you know, wear on dildo. Right? Now, can I have my aunt's mac and cheese any day like Velveeta? No. So there's an accessible there's an accessibility issue, not a sex issue. A se- accessibility issue. Should I talk to my aunt about making this mac and cheese something industrial? Should I talk to my cousin, maybe get some fucking steaks in this company and make this shit a family thing? Run the fucking mill, if you wills? Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. But I'm just letting you know, this is a fucking classic mac and cheese. Does she then bake it and put some fucking, you know, bread, uh, crumble bread in the top? So that it gives it a little crust? A little crust? Huh? Yeah. 
And then does, does she pair that? Does she pair that with some garlic bread that she magically does with this recipe that she hasn't shared to anyone? And then, and then my cousins arbitrarily named that the Kiko bread and that becomes the firest shit that motherfuckers eat in that hood? Yes. And when you mix the mac and cheese and the Kiko bread and the butteriness of the of the bread and, and, the, and the meltiness and, and gooiness of the cheese enter your arteries and block it and make it so that that night when you drink, you get a higher booze. Yes. In the morning when you wake up, do you do you go doubles on that mac and cheese and it still fucking tastes creamy? And then with the, with the Kiko bread, you put it in the oven and it still fucking tastes crunchy and fucking amazing and buttery. And you mix it all in and put it in with a couple beers and then go play basketball to try to burn it all down. But not really. Yes. Have I been able to duplicate that fucking creaminess in the mac and cheese or even the Kiko bread, which is just bread with garlic, but still has this magic that I cannot reproduce? No, I have not. I'm still searching for a way to be able to make this shit at a high grade level. Do I feel frustrated that I cannot make mac and cheese to the level that I should at this stage of my life? Yes, disappointed. Have I addressed that disappointed in a way so that I can make a plan to progress little by little in my mac and cheese making abilities? Yes, also. Have I achieved the goals that I have put in my plan to make progress in the mac and cheese ability building program? No. Why? Because I'm a fucking lazy fuck. Do I want to eat the mac and cheese? Yes. Do you want to put work in it so that you can become better at the abilities of making mac and cheese for you and the people that love you? No. Apparently no. Do you have dysfunctions and chemical disbalances in your brain that make you talk in a certain way that make people think like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? Yes. <laughs> Is this shit wrong in the cables that connect your brain to your body that make you fucking talk like a lunatic but at the same time make sense and make you feel like, should I listen to this guy? Maybe not because he's going to make me crazy but at the same time it's entertaining. Yes. Do I want your opinion on how to make the best mac and cheese and your recipes on how to improve on my mac and cheese abilities for me and the loved ones and everybody around me? Mm, I don't know. Maybe. Are you good with the mac and cheese? Huh? I want you to be as passionate as I am. When I'm talking about mac and cheese, right? Because I've tried it many times and I've failed. You know what sucks? When you fucking spent all this money trying to get all this gooey amount of cheeses, different mixes, you know, throwing some Spanish, some fucking Dutch cheese in there just to, you know, to make it fucking bougie, right? Mix it all in, blend it. You know, right? You make the fuck, you, you put the little, the little fucking flour with the milk, with the butter. You make the base and then you try to add the cheese and then the fucking mac and cheese just don't taste right. But you feel like, shit, man, I should eat this shit. I'm not going to throw this away. I'm not at a point in my life where I can throw food away, not only for the monetary reasons, but also for the moral ones. Like, I, I still feel like I'm connected to the nature. I don't have enough money to fucking not give a fuck about nature. Have I failed many times making mac and cheese? Yes. Am I going to keep on failing? Yes. Until I find the fucking perfect recipe? Yes. Do I have the balls in me to ask my aunt to give me the recipe without her grabbing a sharp knife and cutting my throat in front of my cousins? No. Am I scared? Yes. Am I intimidated by the mac and cheese abilities that she has acquired through the years? And then consequentially having a bread name after me because of the fireness of it, but me not really having to do anything with it. And me feeling 
really fearful of asking her of that recipe because I feel that she will feel that I'm not worthy of it and then our relationship will be fractured because of it. Yes. Should my mom be worried about the mental state that her son is in? Most likely. Should my parents, my dad, you know, me being his only son, be super proud of who the fuck I am and what I've achieved in my life? Not really, not much achieved. Should they be worried about the routes that I might take in my life? Yeah, I'm a big cuckoo. I'm crazy. Not really. I'm pretty chill. I just do Netflix and do a little wine. May I? May I? Salute. <sighs> mac and cheese. <coughs> Fucking mac and cheese. Will my aunt feel that I'm worthy of knowing the perfect recipe for mac and cheese? Or would she feel that I need to go into an adventure that lasts many years and maybe when I'm older I'll be able to host my own Thanksgiving parties after I have acquired the mac and cheese abilities that could make me and the loved ones appreciate who I am based on the gooiness that's entering their mouth and to the exophagus with the creaminess and the kikover at the same time? Fuck yes! I think so! Is it problematic that you talk to people this way and that you feel that you'll be able to keep sanity throughout your life? Yes, it's pretty worrisome. Are you using words that sometimes don't have any meaning or even exist, but you say it in a confident way so people think that what you're saying is true? Yeah, many times. Job interviews, mostly. mostly. Should the government be looking really into your mental state and the shit that you say because you might be a liability for humanity in the future? I can't answer that for obvious reasons. Yesterday I went to a restaurant with my girlfriend where they sell like this really fire chicken. May I say, this Velveeta chicken. I mean, this chicken was Velveeta, right? And they sell mac and cheese. They dare sell mac and cheese. And I gotta say, here in Spain, it's the best mac and cheese that I've had. It was really good. You had, it almost, I almost feel like the motherfuckers were using Velveeta. But if they're not, then they're coming to that recipe very close. It was fucking fire. Now, I had this situation. I had the normal waiter, this girl, right, come and help us with everything. And, you know, it was all good. And then all of a sudden, this other guy came out to give us, like, the second plate and ask us if everything was fine. So given that this is a started upper, I mean, this is a successful business, but he just started and there's still, you know... When, when businesses are keeping that fucking customer service, right? I hope they, they, they keep they continue on that because in Spain, customer service is a word that never really came about here. It was just never really discussed. They were like, customer service, fuck that, suck my dick. So, I go to this place, right? So, the second guy comes with our other plate. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going I'm to, this guy looks like the owner. He felt like the owner. You know, like, when you go to a business and there's a guy that's just running around and doing shit, but he just feels like, oh, this is the owner that's also working. 
and letting everybody know like, no, I'm a leader that shows you the way, not a leader that's just telling you what to do, right? I'm like, oh, this is, I'm like, hey, bro, let me tell you something. In the Mac and cheese world, I've been around. You know what I mean? Like, I know all about the Velveetas and all the things, right? Like, you know, my aunt, I don't want to say anything. She makes the fiery Mac and cheese, right? And I wanted to be nice to him. And I was like, you guys make a really good Mac and cheese. Like, I've been around the Mac and cheese world. And he's like, oh, yeah, thank you. Uh, he leaves and I'm just like, well, maybe he just felt like, Flabbergasted. I think that's that's a word that exists and, and means what I'm trying it to mean. Later come to realize when this guy is charging me, right, for the for the meal, that he just started working that day there. And I'm here praising him about his mac and cheese. This motherfucker doesn't even know where he lives. When I ask him if I could leave him tip on the fucking card, he's like, I I don't know, I gotta ask because I just got here. <laughs> So when you ask me, am I disappointed in myself that I have to go to a place and ask for a mediocre plate of mac and cheese where a motherfucker that I think is the owner is really a fucking dog ass motherfucker that doesn't know how to serve or even appreciate my comments about the mac and cheese and that makes me feel that I should be better in life so that I could know the fucking master recipe of the mac and cheese. Yes, I'm disappointed. Thank you for tuning in to the Broski Doodles. I fucking love you. And I really hope that you can learn how to make mac and cheese, not just for you, but for your children. Peace. Peace.